You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, world. What separated your deep ball from everybody else? My deep ball, it has a little secret sauce to it, man. <laughs> I never get too high, I never get too low, but just keep moving. The, the whole story is Carlos never beat me in any kind of sports in, in, in high school. We cannot hear you, Zim. Welcome to the Orange is the New Black, a podcast for diehard Bengals fans. I'm your host, Ace Boogie, joined by my co-host, Zim. Zim, say what's up. Hello, world. How are you guys doing tonight? We have a very, very special guest with us this evening. None other than reporter extraordinaire, Lindsay Patterson. <sighs> That's the crowd screaming. <laughs> Lindsay, how are you doing tonight? Talk to the people. I'm good. I feel so excited to join your show. I've been watching you guys have players on. You guys kill it every week. I really enjoy what you're doing on the fan side. Thank you. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. So you've worn several hats as a producer. Uh, you've also been a sideline reporter for high school around Cincinnati, Xavier, uh, the Bengals, FC Cincinnati. You've also even reported on the weather, which I found that was that was pretty entertaining as well. Uh, how have you been able to balance like multiple roles and multiple tasks? It's really crazy. Um, honestly, it's one of those things I always wanted to work in sports. I'm from a really small town. So I decided, okay, to do that, you're going to have to work several jobs. And that's one thing that I just started to do. I took the producing job when I was in college and that ended up being producing for sports talk radio where I met other people. And you know, when you work in broadcasting, you don't do it for the money. You got to get some other gigs. So I started doing production on the TV side and obviously wanted to do football and I uh, did high school football in Cincinnati. It was kind of a a fun thing to do because, you know, football in Ohio is just fun. Everyone has an interest definitely at the high school level. Um, got some on-air experience being a traffic reporter up in Dayton. Realized I didn't want to wake up at 2 in the morning anymore. Whoa. I go from Oof. traffic to Cincinnati to do football during the day, during football season. And then we would have our Bengals show Beyond the Stripes at night. So 
it made for a long day. Um, but honestly, it was just balancing everything and just getting that experience. Because I think one of the biggest things when you want to work in broadcasting, it's not always about the on-air stuff. It's really, you got to learn the production side. You got to learn how the audio works. You got to learn, you know, and obviously do your homework. Um, so all of that was more important to me than any of the on-camera stuff. So it's been a fun ride. Um, I don't know if I, you know, would recommend it that way, the way I took it, but, uh, but it's been a lot of fun. You mentioned that you're from a small town, uh, Sabina, correct? Sabina, but everyone Sabina. <laughs> so Sabina, where you went to East Clinton High School. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because someone right now might be from Sabina that is listening right now. We have a whole bunch of people from Ohio, like, on here right now live. Yeah, I mean, we had drive your tractor to school day, you guys. <laughs> it, it, that's, that's pretty how small town I was. I graduated with 86 kids. Um, it, yeah, it wasn't a... It wasn't too exciting. We were Division Five. We never really made it to postseason or the playoffs or anything like that. Um, but yeah, my school was in the middle of a cornfield. I'll tell you that right now. Okay, okay. So <laughs> we kind of talked about how you had like different roles in the event that you have like a scheduling conflict. Let's just say, for instance, there's a FC Cincinnati and a Bengals game going on at the same time. Like, how would you handle a scheduling conflict like that? I've done that before. Um, and honestly, we always had, if we had, were on the road with FC Cincinnati, I would do the FC Cincinnati game first. Um, I balanced it last year. We had a game in Montreal. Our plane landed at CBG at 1115 and I made it to Paul Brown Stadium by one o'clock for kickoff. Wow. So, you know, sometimes you just got to balance it. And then honestly, I mean, you guys know, sometimes you get that adrenaline rush and it's so exciting and fun, even though you might be on a couple hours sleep. Um, right. I've been able to balance it a little bit, but but it's been it's been fun. I, I've liked it. That's dope. Well, I think since most of the stuff that we did that was really cool was like kind of during quarantine, we're just like in our sweatpants and we're not like really grinding it out like on your level yet. So I'm not there yet. But let me ask you, like, out of all the stuff that you've done over the years, like all the all the teams that you covered, whether it be Xavier, UC, Bengals, like, what is your favorite like club to like um, cover and why? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, I would definitely say Bengals just because it's the one I've, I've had the most experience with. I got the job doing Inquire stuff probably six, almost seven years ago. They wanted to do a Bengals show. They felt like it was kind of before they were doing Bengals line live out at bars or anything like that. And they're like, we want to do something that's kind of about the players and more about the players behind the scenes. So they're, they asked me if I want to be a part of it. And um, they heard I like sports. I had that production background over on ESPN 1530. Got the job doing that. And honestly, it's been a blast. The, the Bengals locker room, and I'll, I'll tell you right now, for the past six to seven years, Years. And obviously this year it's all Zooms. Um, it's been one of the most respected. Um, I've always enjoyed covering all of the guys. Um, yeah, it would be better to cover some more wins um, on the reporting side. But to be honest, it's, it's been a blast. Um, I mean, the 2015 season, it's really hard to top that. Unfortunately, it ended the way it did in the playoffs. But that team was definitely one to remember in Cincinnati. Definitely, definitely. So you grew up idolizing several prominent female sports reporters. Uh, obviously, I feel like you kind of elevated to like the new age one for uh, young women in Cincinnati to look up to. What kind of advice would you give them in, in terms of trying to get into that career? I think one of the things, I mean, even you guys, you understand, you might watch somebody, it could be on social media or digital or, you know, production, broadcasting, and you say, I kind of want to do it that way, or I like how that person does it. But honestly, 
I think the biggest thing, and I've had idols, plenty of them. I know a lot of people, when they think of women in sports, they point to, you want to be the next Aaron Andrews. And it was honestly not Aaron Andrews. It was Sam Ryan, who was on the NFL sidelines a long time ago for CBS. And I said, I want to be that girl. Look at her on the sidelines talking ball. And I think my advice to girls and, you know, I tell them in, in college classes these days that, you know, get the internship, get the experience. The experience is so important. I know, obviously, people want you to go to school and that's important, too. But I'll tell you, I got more of my jobs from the experience that I had than anything that was on my bachelor's degree or anything like that on my resume. People want to know what you've been doing and and honestly, make your own path. Um, it sounds really cliche because. One day you're going to look in a book and, you know, read how someone else made it. And and this is how another person make it. Everybody's different. One boss could have said yes to you that said no to someone else. It's really just kind of depends on who you're talking to, who you're interviewing with. And honestly, no path will ever be the same. I don't think anybody will want to take all the 20 jobs that I did um, to work in sports broadcasting. It's it's different. Um, It's a long road. And sometimes you can't be afraid to leave home. Um, I think honestly, when I look at the big picture, cause I've stayed close to home, my family's like an hour away and, um, I've been grateful for it, but don't be afraid to leave. Don't be afraid to leave because obviously you can always come back if you want to. Right. I mean, it's, it's crazy cause you're saying that. And I, I just, I was helping some guys out the other day, right? It's these kids that were doing a show and the guy hit me up. He was like, man, you want to, um, you know, like, I need some help with a show, da da da. And I was like, I don't think I'm the guy for it. But the one thing I kept on telling them, I was like, hey, like, whatever you do, like, don't just try to copy, like, whatever somebody else is doing. Just be yourself. And I think one thing that stands out when, when you talk about Lindsey Patterson, I think it's just like you have your own niche that you've, like, carved out and you have your own style that you do stuff. Even when I listen to, like, your, uh, your pod on with the Inquirer, like, it's just your own style. Do you have like something that you came into the game that you were just thinking like, hey, look, this is something I want to like make sure is very clear to the people. You know, like, what? I, I, no, that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, I think obviously everybody brings something different. They're a different vibe. And for me personally, I might be and you guys would see it on social media. I might be too optimistic at times. Um, I'm trying to work on that and be more critical um, of the team. Obviously, they do that to me. They do that to me, and he he's the pessimistic, and I'm the optimist every episode. Really? No, I get it all the time. Tyler Dragon, we joke with each other because he's like, you're Miss Positive, and I am, and I try and I try to be more critical. Look, I get the fan base when they're watching this team right now. They're disappointed. They want changes. So I try to understand that, too, when talking about it. Um, honestly, my style, I don't know. That's a great question. Maybe I should be working on one because I don't think I have one right now. <laughs> I feel like that's part of it, though. It's like a positive, you know, like everybody, like some people that we work with, it's like, no, nah, I'm going to keep it real. Some people are like, you know, it's just naturally like, it's just positive. And I always, I always call it like you always had a positive vibe, like going into it, whether you thought it was good or bad or not, I don't know. No, I, it's, it's something I'm working on. I'm working on being a little more critical of the team, obviously. Uh, but yeah, I'd say maybe the positive optimistic side is where I go. So with Kim Ang becoming the first female MLB manager, Katie Blackburn running the Bengals, Jenny Buss bringing the championship to my Lakers, there's a feeling that there's kind of been a push towards an evolution of women into prominent roles in sports. What do you believe that it takes to get more women into more prominent positions within professional sports? I mean, honestly, I just can't wait until we stop saying it's the first one. 
Um, right. And I think, I think right. we're going to get there. I do. I honestly, and I'll, I'll start with Katie Blackburn. Um, I, I'll say this right now and you guys might be like, that's your dream interview. I, I would say sitting down with Katie Blackburn would be someone who I'd like to just sit down with and talk to about her time with the family. I mean, I feel like she'd have some interesting stories and I know a lot of people are saying, well, she got that job because obviously it's family. I don't agree with that. I mean, she's honestly someone right. who worked her way up. She does a lot of the behind the scene contracts. Um, even, you know, the most recent one with Joe Mixon and his extension, she just really is an interesting person in the NFL level. And I talk to people in the NFL and, and they, they give her credit and just say what she's really brings to the league um, is underrated, but she never likes to get credit for it. And obviously we're seeing it at the major league baseball level and we'll continue to see it with different organizations. And I think it's awesome. And really the reason we're going to start to see that is just people giving taking a chance and, and realizing this person can do it. And I think Susie Culver, I use this quote all the time um, when asked, you know, you're not, you never played in the NFL. You don't know what it's like. And she said, I don't have to get hit by a semi to know it hurts, you know? So <laughs> right. I, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's a little different for women in, in sports. I'm not going to lie. I, I, I will 100% say that when I'm talking about something, I can't mess up because if I mess up, people are going to jump on that and be like, she doesn't know what she's talking about. Um, so, so it's a little more difficult for women in those front office positions, but I mean, it's pretty cool to see because honestly, I'm not sure if you guys have girls at home. Um, but, yeah, but you know, you know, just to tell them they can do, they can do whatever and, and same for guys too, but it's just, it's pretty cool to see. Right. Yeah. You, you know, what's so funny though. Like when, when you're covering it though, as long as somebody's knowledgeable, that thought doesn't really come in my head. The only people that really like get on my nerves, it doesn't matter if they're a guy or a girl. Are just people that's just running like just running off like random names of guys that don't even play for the team anymore or something like that. But I don't I don't think the average fan, I think now like even um like with Doris or whatever, like she's like a goat herself to the point where I think more guys even like hearing her call a game because her knowledge on the game, it doesn't bother you. The only time I think it bothers people, I think is like when someone's not knowledgeable. And that could be guy or girl, like in my opinion. But let me ask you this too. Like this season, did you what were your expectations coming into the bank? We're talking Bengals because I know you just got everything. <laughs> but with the Bengals, like coming into the season, I think I can't speak for Ace, but for myself, I just had I wanted to see progress. I didn't I never thought Burrow would be as amazing as he was. And I did think he was gonna be really, really good. But did you have any expectations? And then right now where are you with the team like you know like just just taking your reporter hat off like how do you feel as a fan like about the team right now uh, right now that's such a great question um because my expectations going into the season was five or six wins i think and i know people look at an acl injury you know mcl and they're gonna say oh man can this guy come back is he gonna be the same um and i'm not to, trying to give you a long answer here but i'll just say right now joe burrow is a different kind of dude um, his football IQ, the way he sees the game, um, any interaction, of course, that we've had with him. I have no doubt this guy's going to come back better than ever or, or the same Joe Burrow that we saw in his rookie year. I think you take that, and I know fans are going to point that. you got to overhaul the offensive line. I don't agree with that. I do feel like you got to fix the offensive line, but you still got some studs on there. And, and yeah, Jonah Williams struggled in this past game. Um, I, I think how I feel about this team right now is you focus on you got to win. You got to win these football games. And I know a lot of people will say, oh, you know, Brandon Allen's out there. How are they going to win? I mean, their defense looked a little okay against a, a bad Giants team. 
but I think it is about a winning mindset because you have a group and I put it out on social media this week that said, Oh, want to lose so you can get a better draft pick. That mindset, that mindset is not what you want to keep going with because you go with that every single year. That was the mindset. This is, this is for you, Ace. <laughs> that was the mindset last year. And that was the mindset prior no, to that. No, but it, no, it worked last year. And it it's, different when, year. It's, it's different when you're talking about a quarterback to me. Like, when you're talking about a generational talent quarterback, for me, I was all on board with losing. Ace, I'm calling him out because our last episode, he's all on the penny train. So what do you yes. say to somebody that says, okay, there's a generational tackle right here at the number three pick. Lindsay, if we win, you're going to lose out. I'll, I'll just say this. They're on track to get him. I actually don't <laughs> see them winning another game. But when you look at it like a mindset, like you mentioned with Joe Burrow, it worked out for him. And it worked out perfectly for them to get Joe Burrow. But I just feel like winning changes things. You know, we talk about the locker room and the mindset of the locker room. And then obviously with coaching changes. And I know a lot of people aren't buying into Zach Taylor and his staff right now. But the mindset in that locker room is getting some wins together. And, and look, get a couple wins. They still probably could get the three or the fourth pick. But at this, at this very moment, I just don't think you want the mindset of like keep losing keep losing what does that do what does that do besides get what people want I guess you know maybe some coaches will get fired or or they get the number three pick but I just I think that mindset man it gets to you and, and there are players in there that don't feel that way I'll, I'll name one right now Jesse Bates and obviously none of them want to lose out or anything like that he had right. said something in his media conference last week and he said it's really going to be telling because they're getting into the cold months. It's December. You got guys coming to the locker room. Obviously, they have nothing to play for. The season's pretty much over. They could try to play spoilers. Their quarterback's out for the season. And he says it's going to be really telling to see who shows up. He's like, that's going to be telling when I look in the locker room. Jesse Bates, a young guy on that defense and a star. And, and right. one of the best safeties in the NFL, if not the best safety in the NFL right now. I, I think you you watch that or you listen to that, the locker room of some of the leaders in there, and these guys don't think that way. I mean, they want to win football games, and it's going to be difficult. I mean, it's not going to be easy down the stretch, but I guess my mindset for them or, or what I think, you know, you would want is for them to get some wins together. And obviously it's not going to do much for them in their record, but it just kind of changes the mindset because – Winning changes everything. I mean, we know what this city looks like when they're winning. We know what this fan base looks like when they're winning. What the team looks like when they're winning. It's been a long time and a long time in football years um, since they started to win. They haven't been. In, they haven't won a playoff game in thirty years. So I mean, you just you got to change that mindset. That that's just how I feel about it. And it's not you sound you you sound like my morning text to Ace. <laughs> like that's what popular. I don't I, don't I, don't I text you that I'd be like, hey, winning solves everything. Like, but. Ace, yeah. I, I, I know we're interviewing Lindsay. I want you to respond mm -hmm. to that because you represent a huge group of people that feel as though that currently losing right now is in our best effort. Or in Yeah, our I mean, I, I get exactly what Lindsay is saying. I think from a player's perspective, the player should never want to lose. You should always want to play to win. You should never give up or anything like that because it's similar to being at a in a toxic work environment, right? Like if you're going there every day and – you're just not getting projects done or it's just a bad work environment, you're going to want to leave. So losing obviously could lead to certain players not wanting to play for the Bengals next year if they're going to be a free agent or something like that. So I totally get where she's coming from from that standpoint. I think where I come from 
from my standpoint, it's purely about Joe Burrow and kind of protecting the future of this team, just making sure that he is protected. And even if we were to draft Penny, that wouldn't be necessarily replacing Jonah or anything like that. I think you would still slide Jonah over to the other tackle, but it's purely about protecting Joe Burrow. Like if Penny was not there, then I probably wouldn't be campaigning as hard to try to get that pick to, to seal him because I'm kind of scared about Jacksonville because they're kind of a wild card right now, especially with them moving on for their, from their GM. If they were to say, for instance, trade for a quarterback, then they could just take Penny if they wanted to. And then we'd kind of be sitting there kind of trying to figure out what we're going to do. But I think most people are just really thinking about Joe Burrow and how to protect him. And I think a lot of people are upset because he was injured and hit so many times that we just don't want to see that going forward. And that's fair. That's honestly fair. And I think one of the things about the offensive line and you, you hear it on social media and everyone's like, you got to get a, that offensive line has to go. And I think you guys would agree with me. There's some, there's some, some guys on the offensive line. Like you said, you Definitely. can move Jonah Williams over. I think their biggest problem. And I know a lot of people want to point at Bobby Hart. Look, they can move on from Bobby Hart and, and that, that might work out in the draft. It's their guard play. I mean, if, if Spain can work out for them, they sign Spain again in the offseason, bring him back for 2021, and you find a legit right guard. And I think that does wonders for an offensive line. And I'm, and I'm with you. you got to protect Joe Burrow. And that is their fault for not doing that. you got to protect your investment. And that's just the, the, the biggest thing you can point out right now. What happened to Joe Burrow? And I get where fans are frustrated. And I think, you know, they get from the frustration to mad to obviously they were sad about it. Um, but I think there's just some tweaks with the offensive line and it can get better. And hey, look, they're they're in line to get the number three pick. When I look down the stretch, I just don't see a win. I mean, could right. they surprise everyone and pull one out? Maybe, but I just don't see it. I don't. But I, I guess my my just mindset is like, yeah, the losing man, the losing can really get to a city. And this city just sees a bunch of right now. I- Definitely. Every I feel like everything you're saying is like you just stole every text that I've ever sent the ace like in the last two weeks. I just told him this morning. I said it makes people feel like you talked about sitting down with um Katie Blackburn. A guy wrote a message to me on Instagram. It was like the first thing I, I read when I woke up today. He he read this long thing. He said they gotta understand at the front office that this is just bigger than football. He was telling a story about how one of his friends died and he was a real big Bengals fan. He was just like telling me like how everything in his life kind of comes full circle with the Bengals every week. And and if I had a chance to talk with Katie Blackburn and stuff like that, I would have to be very honest and say there feels like times where you guys haven't gone all out on every single thing. And to us, it's not just a financial thing. It's like a... Like, I got to give, you know how you're saying you're being super positive? I have to talk to people on here or on my Instagram or Twitter, like, weekly after a loss and be like, hey, look, man, everything's cool. You got to, like, you know, go get around your loved ones. Like, I don't know. I think they realize that. But just with your brief experiences and stuff with maybe some of the people in the front office, do you think they care about, like, how we feel? Or is it more like this is just a business that they're just trying to run and make it like stay afloat? It's not a popular opinion, um, but I will say this from people who have had experience working in the front office with the Brown family, they want to win. <laughs> Mike Brown wants to win. I know that some people look at it and say, well, if he wanted to win, he would have done this. I, I honestly believe that. Um, but, but one of the biggest things they have to do, what they just did this past offseason when they spent money, they got to keep spending money. They got to spend obviously what they can, but they can't stop. 
They can't stop being active in free agency. You got to hit your drafts because you look at what they did. It's all unfortunate because you have DJ Reader, Trey Waynes. I mean, half the guys you spent money on, they're not even playing right now. And that's just bad luck. You know, that's just bad luck. But you got you can't look at that and just say, uh, we can't do that again. Look what happened when we spent money in free agency. They got to do it. And they that's one of my fears. Yeah, they got to compete with other teams. And I I think I, I do. I think that family wants to win. But at the same time, I mean, it's obvious to a point and, and you got to you got to make moves. You got to change. Let me ask you guys this and not to turn things around. But obviously, you look, uh. on, you look on social media right now and a lot of people want Zach Taylor gone and want his staff gone. What if they go into 2021? They might get one, maybe two more wins. They keep Zach Taylor, but they have a shakeup with some of the staff. How do you think that would go over? I think it would go over pretty well for me. Uh, like it, it, it kind of depends on it who they go and get. But if you're, but the guys that I think most people, and it's, that's a great segment for a question I have for you. But a lot of the guys that people uh, attach with just bring a brand new coach, they're not going to want to come here as coordinators. So like the Joe Brady's, Eric Bieniemy's of the world, people like that, they're not going to want to come here as a coach. So I don't know like where he where he comes in. Like even I heard the offensive coordinator for the Bills. Like I don't know, Ace. How do you feel about it? I I don't think the fan base would be satisfied with it unless it was like a guy that they just just really went crazy this year in college football or even the NFL, and they somehow got a, got him to come here as an offensive coordinator or a defensive coordinator, which I just don't see, like, anybody elevating. I mean, most of those guys are trying to elevate and not trying to stay at the same lane. Uh, I think it, it's hard for me to say. I think that that's probably the most – that's probably what's going to happen. I think most people are going to want Zach out of there and stuff like that, but I think what's really going to happen is there actually would just be a changing of the guard at the offensive coordinator position, possibly the offensive line, uh, maybe the defensive coordinator – but I think the Bengals kind of have developed this reputation from a front office standpoint where they kind of kind of drag their feet on addressing problems, right? So say, for instance, with Marvin Lewis, they felt like people, a lot of fans felt like they kind of drove or like kind of, kind of just took a long time with that. Uh, the A.J. McCarron trade, they kind of drew that out. The Andy Dalton trade. They didn't trade him. They kind of let him just kind of go to the point where it kind of didn't benefit them long term. I think that we'll see a similar thing with this because I think when you hear Zach speak, he he says all the right things. It's honestly, I think his fault is being too loyal to some of the guys on his staff, which I understand because those are guys that he came up, you know, in the trenches with in Miami and, you know, through Texas A&M and things like that. So that's understandable. But I think it'll still be a tough sell to some fans if Zach Taylor is there. And then I think Malik Wright said something interesting the other night on our podcast, and he said something like, if other NFL teams, which we, we did kind of see this when Zach came in, there weren't people really signing up to jump on the staff. If other NFL coaches know that he's on thin ice, let's say, for instance, he's won four games in two seasons, they may not be willing to take that job because they don't know how quick he could be at the door. Like if the Bengals were to start out 0-6 the next season, then they would probably have to kind of balance that. So I think that is probably the most realistic thing that will happen is Zach Taylor stays, they switch out the staff. And if those those offensive coordinators, offensive line coaches, and defensive coaches work and they get people to buy into the system more congruent around the players, then I think that it can work. 
But I think that you're still going to have it. When Bengals fans see that, they're going to have a, a bad reaction if they have to look into year three. And, and one thing I wanted to talk to you about, and I just had a, I wanted to pull it up, Lindsay. You had brought uh, light to this, and a lot of fans don't know this or they don't think about it. Is that Bengals currently have forty five million dollars worth of injured reserve caps, like cap players, right now on the team, which is fourth in the NFL. So you had brought that up, and I just wanted to make sure people understood how many people are currently on the injured reserve that the Bengals went out and paid a lot of money to. Yeah, I think that's something to look at. But but honestly, that they got they can't stop. They've got to do what they can this offseason, spend the money that they can, um, obviously extend the guys they, they should. Um, I think you look at a guy like Carl Lawson. I know there's arguments to bring William Jackson III and extend him too. Um, I think those are big decisions you have to make. What if that right guard is available in free agency? Um, those are extremely important too when you look at the offensive line. So I think you guys, and, and I've said it before, and obviously – you guys knew this time last year in December and January, all the way leading up to draft, how exciting it was for the fan base um, leading up to the number one pick. I think this is one of their biggest off seasons in a really long time because you got the Joe Burrow rehab. You got extensions, who you're going to extend, where you're spending money. And, and maybe there's some coaching changes, but I, I think it's going to get really different um, in Cincinnati as far as some of the changes they have to make um, on the roster and maybe with the coaching staff. But uh, I don't know, man. It, you know what's no, not and I'm completely wrong. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that because it's I have several attachments to, to certain players and stuff that we kind of grew up with. And one thing that uh I found a nugget that I found is that I believe it's you attended it, James Rapine and me all attended that Bengals game back in 2000 when Corey Dillon broke the single game rushing record against the Broncos. What was it about that like that made you in a sense, a Bengals fan. Because for me, like, that was one of my first attachments with the team. And I kind of came into this Bengals thing on the losing side. So I was kind of used to, like, the Dick LeBeau eras and stuff like that. That actually made me love the team even more because I watched where they started at and where they got to. So obviously I didn't get to see, like, the 88 Super Bowls and all of that. I didn't really get to see many of the highs until 2005. But what was it about – um, this Bengals team that made you want to be a fan early on? I'll say that um, my parents have been season tickets since before I was born. Uh, they went to the Super Bowl and all of that stuff. And I heard all those stories and how heartbreaking that was. Um, but the Corey Dellen game, none of, I have two older brothers and none of them wanted to go to that game because the Bengals were brutal and not right. winning any football games that year. So my dad's like, you want to go to the game? And I was like, sure. You know, I was a kid in school. Um, go to the game with my dad all day. We'll go tailgate. We'll have hot dogs. I'll watch it. I've never been to an NFL stadium before. Uh, I went, and, of course, it was an unbelievable day. I'll remember, and, of course, you see the pictures in the video, but it was on the video board when they just drenched him with Gatorade um, after right. that game. And I thought, this is cool. Um, the crowd seemed pumped. I, I knew right then, like, I was going to love football. But I, if you guys ever watched Remember the Titans, I was like that girl that was with her dad at football practice. He was a football coach. Um, you know, I would hang out with the boys. I was the water girl, you know, when I was a kid. So it's just been, you know, I'm a nerd when it comes to football. And I knew right then that was something I wanted to stick with. Yeah, the crazy part about that is I was at that game, too. I was excited. I never knew until I think Jeff Hobson said that that was the first win in Paul Brown Stadium. I had no idea. I was excited and everything after the, after the game, but I never knew that it was the first win in Paul Brown Stadium. I had yeah, no clue cool either, honestly, but he did a great piece on that a couple years ago. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Right. 
Like, do you um, – I, I want to flash forward back to this season again, though, really quick. Like, like some of the some of the, one of the things that kind of bothers me is, uh, I know you've covered AJ and stuff before. What do you think is going on there with AJ Green? Look, I think AJ Green still has something left in the tank, but AJ Green has been honest, and honestly, he's been honest for the last two years. He wanted to come back last year. He was dealing with a nagging injury. I still think it's a mental thing. Um, he had talked about it, you know, the first couple of weeks. It, there's just something, yes, when he goes out there, he doesn't want to think he's getting hurt again. Um, you know, obviously a new offense, getting used to that. And then, you know, that chemistry he was building with Joe Burrow because him and Joe Burrow, they would come in on off days on Tuesdays and work together and get those reps in. Um, the hard work is there. He was putting that in. But I think it's honestly just something. It's a mind game right now for A.J. Green. And it's kind of unfortunate, you guys, because – He's obviously battled so many injuries in his career in Cincinnati. He's had some special moments. But, I mean, if you're realistic, this is probably his last year in Cincinnati. And for it to go out the way it is, um, you know, never won a playoff game and just just an all-pro professional. But I just – I honestly think it's more of a mind game with AJ right now. Right. So switching gears, I was listening to one of the interviews that you did – and it said that you kind of stopped watching the NBA after kind of the Jordan and AI um, era. What was it about the NBA that changed? Because you're not the only first person that I've heard say that. So what about the NBA kind of changed for you, for you to not have as much interest as that Jordan and AI era? Okay, I'm going to get so many bandwagon vibes right now because I started to jump back in it with the Golden State Warriors. Uh, I like Steph Curry. I really do. Uh, it's not popular. Because everyone loves LeBron James and, and, you know, when he was in Cleveland and all that stuff and what he's doing with the Lakers. But I was I, I kind of got back into it. Um, I kind of like the super team stuff. And I know yeah. it's not popular. Um, but, yeah, growing up, obviously having two older brothers, they were huge Michael Jordan fans. And I, I just love that. I loved the 90s. I loved um, – now I'm going to sound really old. But I remember, like, QVC. Like, you could call QVC after your team won the championship and got, like, your T-shirts on there. Um, all the 90s. Oh, yeah, swag. I remember that. Yeah. Like that. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I kind of just jumped back and forth. If Cincinnati had an NBA team, I'd be all about it. NBA games are so much fun, and I'm, I'm just bummed we don't have a team right now. I'd, I'd be all in. Yeah, I hope that one day they bring the Royals back to Cincinnati. Unfortunately, they're the Kings now. Kings aren't doing good, so they can come on back to Cincinnati whenever they're ready. Uh, yeah, you, you, that, that is the first thing I think we're going to disagree on. I'm not a Curry fan at all. I, like, I feel like he's, like, ruined so much of my life. It, I've lost money. I've lost everything on Curry. I can't stand it. Like, nah, he, I, I definitely think he's one of the best point guards of all time, like, clearly. so, Or, or whether you categorize him as a point shoot guard, I, I don't know. But I, think, I think with Curry, though, he's kind of revolutionized, like, the NBA. Like, he's completely changed it himself just with the three-point shot. So, like, now everyone shoots threes, and sometimes it's more exciting. So I, I can get where she's coming from on, on the Curry train. I think – actually, I actually believe that – Back when they were kind of emerging, the Warriors were kind of emerging, there was, like, people that just didn't like LeBron that just jumped on, like, the whole Steph Curry thing. Because I even remember people saying that Steph Curry was better than LeBron at one point. So I, I definitely feel like Curry made that way. But I think once KD joined the Warriors, that's when they just went, like, hell. It was like the NWO or something just happened in the NBA. 
No, I agree with that. And I love LeBron. I mean, he's obviously so much fun to watch. He's kind of like our Michael Jordan growing up. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I don't know. The super teams, I'm kind of all for it. And I'm kind of pumped that NBA season's right around the corner. That's right. Um, you once had a very famous quote that you probably never even remember. Um, I tracked it down. I'm doing a little bit of reporting skills of myself. This is in November 28th of 2012. You said Jim Harbaugh is a smart man. You don't even remember tweeting that properly. But with that said, what do you think about Jim Harbaugh? Me and Ace are getting people on the Jim Harbaugh train. Are you going to get on with us? Okay. So I don't think that anybody should make any comparisons. Obviously, the struggles, what he's dealing with in Michigan. It's different. We've seen what he was able to do in the NFL. I just don't know, man. I really don't know. I, I think... I mean, his days are numbered in Michigan, but I don't know if I can jump on that. I don't know. But, but what about – let's go back to the 49ers days, though. Like, what about that? Like, I mean, like, like that's what we're basing most of the golf at. And that's what it should be based on. And all of that stuff for any coaching hires. I mean, you can even say that with coordinators right now who go back to the college level who might leave the NFL, and some will say, oh, they're struggling. How are they going to do at the NFL level? But they've had that past success. And I think you should with Jim Harbaugh. If you're making that comparison, obviously go back to his San Fran days, uh, what he was able to do in the NFL. I just don't know. I don't know. I mean, honestly, give me your top five coaches next year in the NFL that are available right now going into next year. (sighs) I mean, if I'm going by the book, uh, you know, Joe Brady's name is going to come up. Eric Bieniemy's name is going to come up. Harbaugh's name is going to come up. Uh, the offensive coordinator for the Bills and then the defensive coordinator. What's his name uh, for, for 49ers? Those are like the top five that I think are going to be on like the, the hot list. Am I missing somebody? Who's the guy that, uh, that coached Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray? He like – he has like a system in college. Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley, I think, is going to be another, another, um, another big name. But it just, it just kind of depends. I don't know. For, yeah, I, I just, I want, I don't want them to take a chance this time. I, if, 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 if Zach is relieved of his duties at some point, I don't want them to take a chance on someone that they're basing it on potential. I want somebody that's going to be. It doesn't have to be like some old fart that is like so out of touch with the young dudes on our team or something like that. But it's got to be somebody that's super relatable, has a history and some kind of ties to Ohio a little bit. That's why I like the Eric Bieniemy thing. They said the interview didn't go well. That's why I kind of like the Harbaugh thing. I feel like people that have vested interest in Ohio and then mixing that with like they're not too old, 40s, 50, you know, like – I think the only reason I think the so I like the Harbaugh one. I just don't think that he's a good match for the front office, especially since he kind of got into it with the front office in San Francisco. But I really like the Eric Bieniemy one. And Zim, you already know, like when we first talked about the Bengals looking into the hiring, he was one of our top guys. For me, the reason was that he was a former player. So it was to me, it was about kind of establishing that culture, getting someone who played for the Bengals, a former player to come back. And I felt like that would also result in him bring bringing other former players onto the coaching staff. So he was good friends with like Jeff Blake and obviously Willie Anderson and stuff like that. So him having that, not only having that, but also having ties to Andy Reid, it was just like, man, but obviously uh, we did not go with him. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out going forward. 
Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no, I just I feel like the enemy. I think he's going to go to Houston. I mean, what what yeah. a perfect situation for him and, and bring the GM that he wants or the GM you know gets hired before him, and you get to work with Deshaun Watson. And I just think that right. that that's where he's going. So I know a lot of people are pointing towards him. I'm like he. He hasn't come to Sensi. Um, and I just feel like right. that's a missed opportunity. I think it's a missed opportunity yep. for a lot of NFL teams that didn't hire him. I mean, you look at right. the last two years and, and they missed out on him. And and I can't wait to see him be successful as a head coach in the NFL. And it's gonna happen in twenty twenty one. But Joe Brady, man, imagine him coming to this team. You know the people that talk about Jamar Chase coming here too, instead of like Penny, like Joe Brady, like I just think like to have a, for three weeks of this NFL season, our offense was so fun to watch. And that was one thing that I preached in the all seasons. Like, even if we lose games, if we could go back to scoring some points, like 30 points a game or something, the average fan is going to, like, be, like, all on board. And they kind and they were coming off of that Titans game. Like, win, lose, or draw. If we just were – if the offense is humming like that and you come in with uh, Joe Brady – See, that's a different animal to me. Like, if somebody's coming in with their own philosophy, their own style, they're already cool with Joe Burrow, they already got their guys, and they can come and get this thing clicking like that, and, and then you trust them to pick the best defensive coordinator or you get the defensive coordinator later or you figure it out on the fly, however you do it, as long as you're scoring points, like, at worst, that makes a, a healthy Joe Burrow like seven and nine, honestly. I, the only reason why I think it might be less than that maybe is because of the division. But what I want, just to, to close off that one point, I just want somebody that's just like Mike Tomlin. I get a lot of flack for this because I, I absolutely hate the Steelers. But Mike Tomlin is the most underrated coach in all of football. He has never had a losing season. Like, and nobody talk, like everybody gives Andy Reid a lot of kudos for stuff. Mike Thomas got rings. He's never had a losing season. And I know we hate the Steelers, but that guy is very relatable to his players. He moves and he adapts on the fly. And they can say he's crazy for making bad decisions, but he always wins no matter what. Well, you just said that. And I feel like last year was one of his best coaching years. And we talk about yeah. the mindset of like a roster being depleted and what he was able to do with that team with all the injuries he was facing. I, I feel like he, you know, he had one of his best years last season. And I think that's something that you look at, you can admire and say, that's how you want your team's mindset to be. And, and you know, credit to Mike Tomlin for doing that. Definitely, definitely. Uh, so you've had segments where you've had lunch with coaches at first watch. You've had Beyond the Stripes. What was your favorite segment that you may have been involved in or produced? I'll go with um, – it's an easy one. We talked about it. Corey Dillon, um, talking to him and disdain. He came to town uh, for the – Bengals 50th anniversary, um, you know, former players were coming to some of the games and I had got his number from somebody who said, here's his phone number. I'm like, he's never going to listen or he's never going to answer. And I explained to him, Hey, look, we have a show on Tuesday nights. We'll, we'll get you set up in a hotel. If you stay one extra night in Cincinnati and join us, um, getting to have them on the show was really cool because look, Corey Delling could look at his time in Cincinnati. He could have come back to Cincinnati and showed them his Super Bowl ring um, and said, look what I was able to do when I left you. Um, right. in the organization and just kind of learning, you know, his mindset and when he played for the Patriots, but he didn't, he has, he has tried to fix that relationship with Cincinnati. And I just think that's really admirable. Like what he was able to do, go off and find, find some wins, um, what he deserved. He made this team exciting when he was here, even though, you know, a lot of losing records. And I think getting to talk to him, um, about that and how different it was playing for Belichick, obviously, and, and playing in Cincinnati was really cool. 
Um, because I don't obviously know if I'd ever get to interview him again and just having him there on set was was cool to talk about. No, that's a dope full circle moment from going to the game where he breaks the record to interviewing him is it's pretty dope. So Lindsay, now that we got to this point in the show, I want to go into a speed round type of deal where I can ask you questions that people have been writing this whole time. I have been reading the comments, people. I apologize for the feedback. I do not know where it's coming from. Sometimes it's more than others. I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we'll work that out. But I do want to be able to um, go through the speed round. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. All right. So we got to answer these as fast as you can. Uh, someone says Joe uh, G Unit Three says Joe Brady or Eric Bieniemy. I'd go Eric Bieniemy. Okay. Uh, uh, Joe Brady could be another Taylor. Do you believe that? Uh, JoJo Mojo says that. Um, uh, possibly because I think you look at the offensive mindset, and I, it's a young guy, and a lot of people thought that with Zach Taylor when they hired him. So I think you could do that with Joe Brady too. Um, this is a thought that someone says. I'm still speechless that Zach only has two games going on two years. You hate to see it. Uh, you don't seem too critical on Zach. <laughs> Do okay. you still believe in Zach? Hmm. That's, that's tough. Do I believe in him? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think your record speaks for itself. You had two wins last year, two wins right now, and it's high. Um, that's not good enough. Obviously, I'm not breaking any news here. I don't know if I believe in him, but I will say, and I know a lot of people want to point at uh, players just saying that because it's a media press conference. Joe Burrow, what he said, what he's, you know, extended, you know, explanation on, on what Zach Taylor's been able to do at the helm. I feel like the quarterback believes in him, and I think that's an important relationship, obviously. But I don't know how long that leash is with him. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. And I wouldn't be surprised if they move on after the season. Someone else said UC or Xavier. Uh, I love both. Um, I work with both. <laughs> I'll go on Sunday's game. I'll go UC on Sunday. They have a cross some shootout. Okay. Excel, uh, Cincinnati kid said, ask Lindsay, who is the best Cincinnati high school uh, football team? I don't know. Oh, my God. That's tough. Attention to high school football. Um, I... I covered a lot of St. X games, so maybe I'll just point to St. X right now, but I haven't been paying close enough attention to high school football this year. Were you covering them when uh, Luke Keekley was there? Like, have you ever – I know you said that a ton of the prospects around Cincinnati have gone to D1 schools. Has it ever been anyone that's gotten to the NFL that you kind of brushed shoulders with during high school when you were reporting on them and now they are like some major star in the NFL? I mean, Joe Burrell doing his game um, six years ago. It was pretty cool when he was the Athens quarterback and he had bleach blonde hair, and I thought it was cool that he was going to Ohio State. Um, so I'll say Joe Burrow getting to do his high school game. That's dope. Somebody else said they like uh, Urban Meyer or Jack Del Rio. Do you like those? Urban Meyer. Okay. I'm, I'm going Urban. Doesn't he have health conditions and stuff too, though? Like where he like, you know, he shouldn't be doing a lot of stuff with his, with his heart and stuff? He does, and maybe taking a couple years has helped him, you know, get get healthy. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. But I don't think it's over for Urban Meyer when it comes to getting back on the sideline. Somewhat. Uh, Cincinnati kids said you should have said Moeller is the answer. Oh, <laughs> for that. <laughs> I thought she was, though. I, I, I don't know. Uh, I didn't. 
I saw a couple questions that I don't. I think we kind of answered. Somebody else said, "Do you think the Steelers are dirty?" No. That <laughs> I know it's like the Steelers get all the calls, and you could even point to the game this afternoon where that wasn't a first down, and they called it a first down. Um, I, don't I don't want to talk about that game. I don't think they are. I think that they're. I don't know. Their their hits are sometimes not flagged. Uh, a couple people in here said me and Ace should be coached. Would you entertain the idea of me and Ace coming into Paul Brown Stadium and making some decisions in there? Only if you guys did, like, live interviews during the games. I, like, some, like, live interviews. I think that would be fun. It's 2021 next year. Maybe change it up a little bit. Only if you guys were going live, too. Are you going to hook us up with that? Because we could do the Beyond the Strikes. So I could have that thing turned like you've never seen before. <laughs> I'm telling you, the fan base, you guys, what you guys are doing is cooler than what we're doing. I mean, I'm trying to keep up with you guys. So I have no doubt you can do this. All right. You've been very, very generous with your time. I really, really appreciate everything. Ace, did you have any more questions? I know you had a bunch of stuff. If you had any more questions, I, I feel like she got past the speed round really, really, really easy. Nobody no, asked her tough. anything really, really tough. Either I, that or she's just that good. Is, all I will say is if there is a Cincinnati – Broadcasting Hall of Fame. Lindsay needs to be a part of it. She's literally been a part of this media for so long at every level too, like high school, college, uh, pros. So we got to get her in there when it's all said and done for sure. But Lindsay, thank you for joining us. We truly appreciate it. You guys are awesome. I look forward to more of your interviews. Keep killing it. And um, yeah, you guys are rock stars. Can you tell everybody where they can find you at and, you know, like whether it be Twitter or where they can check out the pod? Yeah, we have the Bengals Beat Podcast. We try to get two episodes out a week over on Apple, Spotify. You can find it over there. Also, Twitter, Ellen D.S. Patterson. So I tweet a lot, a lot of game day stuff. So check it out. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening to the Orange is the New Black Podcast. And we're going to have to leave you with a hoota. Hello, world. What separated your deep ball from everybody else? My deep ball, it has a little secret sauce to it, man. <laughs> I never get too high, never get too low, but just keep moving. The, the whole story is Carlos never beat me in any kind of sports in, in, in high school. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.